Welcome to the Pendelco Podcast, the podcast that covers the programs and people that make Pendelco proud. Now here's your host, Dr. George Steinhoff, Superintendent of the Pendelco School District. Good day, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this edition of the Pendelco Podcast. Our topic for this episode is STEM at Norfolk Middle School. Today, I will speak with our three teachers who provide targeted STEM instruction as part of our expressive arts special classes. These are courses that are held in addition to the regular science and math classes that are offered to all students. For those of you who may not be familiar with the acronym, STEM is short for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And we have some wonderful offerings at Northland Middle School to meet those interests. Joining me today is Mr. Andrew Biorti, Mr. Matt Swan, and Mr. Jeff Deckman. Uh, Andrew is the veteran of the group. He has taught for uh, 24 years totally, most of which at Northland Middle School, but seven at Beverly Hills Middle School. Jeff has been teaching with Pendelco for 22 years. Uh, 15 at the high school before coming down and spending seven years now at the middle school. And coming from the different direction is Mr. Matt Swan, who taught for four years at Parkside Elementary and is now uh, in his uh, second year of STEM teaching at Northfleet Middle School. So, Andrew, Jeff, and Matt, how are you all doing today? Thank you. Great, thanks. Yeah, doing well. Been a great year so far. Absolutely. Things are back to normal. We're rocking and rolling. Seems like the kids are having a good time. So we're we're doing well. It, it certainly looks that way to me. And just to get things started, uh, let me begin by asking each of you to share the specific STEM related course that you teach in grade six through eighth at Northley. So, Andrew, tell us just the courses that you teach at Northley and what is different maybe between the grade levels. I got it. All right. So basically, kids are doing projects in my classes, and those projects funnel down to engineering principles, transportation uh, principles, and then alternative energy principles. And sixth graders might be do they'll learn about forces and they'll build beams out of wood and concrete. Uh, seventh grade will learn about transportation as far as like maglev technology, all right, and alternative forms of transportation. And then the eighth grade will do alternative energy, such as solar and wind and possibly nuclear fusion power in the future. And uh, they'll do projects around those three principles. Yeah. That, that's fantastic. In fact, the uh, alternative energy piece really feeds right into yeah. the new push in Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. It's not STEM anymore. They're calling it STEELS, uh, which includes environmental literacy and sustainability. So you're already hitting those topics. So you're a step ahead of the game for us anyway. Uh, Jeff, same question. What classes do you offer? Uh, so the, all three grades, sixth, seventh, and eighth, are computer programming. Uh, sixth grade starts out uh, mainly with uh, GUI-type programming. It's a graphical programming, like basically code blocks that they can put together. They can still learn the principles of programming without having to worry about the typing and the syntax. Uh, seventh grade moves away from the block programming. Uh, and more into Python. Uh, it gets a little trickier. And then eighth grade continues with Python programming. Got it. Terrific. And Matt, <clears throat> tell us the STEM courses and the subjects that you teach and cover yourself. Yeah. So for sixth grade, we have design and modeling where students are you know, learning the engineering design process, building a variety of different things. 
Then they move into seventh grade is medical detectives. It's very much focused on anatomy, the human body, why we get sick, how our nervous system is able to help us through our daily lives, things along those lines. And then our eighth grade course is brand new this year, and it is Magic of Electrons. It's focused on electricity at its core, what elements are great conductors, where does electricity come from, what are the different components that are in the electrical devices that we use every single day, and why are they important? Why do they matter? Oh, fantastic. That's that's great stuff. Let me go back to each of you separately and let you elaborate a little bit more about the concepts and skills that students learn in your classes. So if I was to walk into your room, Andrew, uh, what might I see going on in your STEM class? You know, I really like to get the kids to build stuff with their hands. I've always been a maker. And there's certain skills that you need to learn as far as construction skills, how to use scissors and hot glue and and other parts of glue how to build things that's they're always every project is building something it's not just learning about how it works and why it works but it's about how to physically put this together and make something and for some of them it's the first time in their lives they've done something like this so Mm. they're always making something with their hands in my class yeah so it's all about creating something that didn't exist before that. Exactly. Yes. Yes. New motor skills with their hands. Absolutely. And Jeff, uh, in your primarily computer science classes, tell me what type of main skills you're developing uh, with the kids that are in front of you in your classes. So one of the biggest goals when we developed the course was to uh, make it more hands-on, which is mm-hmm. was a challenge for computer programming. So we have a variety of microcontrollers. Uh, like, I don't have one super handy in front of me here, uh, like a circuit playground, a little programmable programmable circuit board that they can use to, you know, write a program to light up LEDs or access a temperature sensor uh, or an accelerometer, like uh, the tool that they would use to play the games where you like have to tip a controller from side to side. Uh, then we can use these uh, physical devices that we program uh, and then program video games to play with them. So that way it's something a little more engaging for them to do. And they have something physical that they can use rather than just seeing, you know, typing on something happening on the screen. Uh, we also have little robotic vehicles that they can program uh, movement and sound. Uh, they also have LEDs and sensors so that the, uh, the little robots can detect, you know, things around them through the use of, you know, whatever computer program they might be writing uh, to control it. But the key was to have them physically, you know, have something in their hand uh, that they're able to program rather than just seeing something happen on the computer screen, make it a little more interactive. Yeah, that's wonderful because I, I can imagine the students want to see the finished product of the code, right? So they're they're putting the directions on the computer screen, but they want to see what does that translate into, right? You know, so right. what does that formula and and their directions actually lead to in the end? So that's wonderful to hear, Jeff. Yesterday, I read there's six hundred thousand current vacancies in computer science jobs. And that computer science is the number one source of new wages in the U.S. Does that surprise you? Does it motivate you as a computer science teacher? Definitely motivates me, but doesn't surprise me. I mean, when you it's even hard to think of the scale of the things we use that have some type of computer programming built into them. It's easy to think of you know phones and computers, but pretty much anything that like plugs in or uses electricity like even the switches on our devices that we you know, turn on and off, like a vacuum cleaner, has computer code that tells the motor to run on high or low. It's not a mechanical switch anymore. Like everything that we use 
that, that consumes any type of power uh, has computer code operating it. And there has to be people to write it. And there hmm. really aren't people to write it. So I tell the kids sometimes, you know, why don't we have cooler things? Why don't we have Everyone has a you know self-driving car. Why, why are we behind in this stuff? We know how to do it. Why don't we do it? It's because we're we're short. We don't have enough people working on these things yet uh, to get there. Oh, it's fantastic. I appreciate that. And I, and I agree with you 100%. I can imagine the kids being excited about the relevancy of the class when you when you point that out to them. Matt, your classes are part of the Project Lead the Way program. Um, have you found uh, certain advantages in following a program such as that? Absolutely. Uh, so it was great to uh, come into this new position and have something like Project Lead the Way, have a sort of you know set plan for what I should follow as I go through each of the different curricula that I have. So it was great to go through some training, kind of get my feet wet with that, and then bring it into the classroom and just see what worked with the kids. So most of the courses that I got through Project Lead the Way were longer than the 10-week marking periods that we have here at Northley. So it was nice last year to have more than enough material to cover so that I could kind of pick and choose what seems like it was the either biggest hit for the students or, you know, something that just didn't necessarily seem like it would be a really great activity given the space or whatever other constrictions, you know, I have with the current classes and my current setup in my room. So Project Lead the Way has been great so far. They have a really awesome community online that I can reach out to if there's any ever, you know, ever any questions that I have. Other teachers across the country that are teaching the same course just with different students in a different place. So it's a really good support system to have. And I feel like as I continue to progress through this, then it's something that can be there and continue to evolve and be a uh, support tool if I need it. Well, and the data on Project Lead the Way is so impressive. I, I was reading 87% of students who have taken a Project Lead the Way course have said that it has made them more interested in STEM-related careers, uh, and particularly girls, uh, which uh, which is so noteworthy because for so long, girls didn't consider STEM or engineering or science and technology as a pathway for them, and now they certainly are, fortunately. So really pleased to hear that. <clears throat> Question for you, Andrew. Your STEM classes uh, have kind of evolved, They're kind of going back and forth in different directions over the years. What's similar and what's different? between uh, what you do today and what you did in your first year of teaching, what was more of a traditional industrial arts class? I started teaching in 1998, and STEM didn't even exist. It was called tech ed class, technology education. And for years, when people ask, what do you do? I teach tech ed. Well, what's that? Now that I say I'm a STEM teacher, everyone knows what it is. You know, uh, a lot of projects have come and gone, and the only one that stayed the same is model rocketry. I've always believed in model rocketry. I started that and I still do that. But um, you know, I barely had computers in my classroom back in the late 90s and even through the early 2000s. And uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, the hands-on was still there. It's always been there. But obviously now that I have more of a digital textbook, quote unquote, where the work is done online on the cloud. That's that's made things a lot easier for me and the students to access this education. Um, yeah, coding has come along. We do a little bit of that, uh, and, and even uh, SketchUp, like three D architectural programs, didn't exist back when I was started teaching. And now they have access to these three D modeling programs. And I keep telling them, like, this is a huge career. Three D modeling. 
get into it, kids. It's really hot right now. So yeah, you have to let me know when I'm talking too much. Um, no, you're now you're fine. You're you're absolutely right about the uh, model rocketry, and I imagine a lot of students who have yeah. been fortunate to have you over the years. Yeah. We'll always remember that activity. I love walking out of the parking lot and seeing you guys off in the field with the finished product. Always worried that something's going to hit my car. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong about there's been some scary you know, like flights. Absolutely. But uh it's, but what I what I see is students who are really engaged and really proud of their finished product and just crossing their finger, fingers to make sure that uh it, it works as planned. So um, there's no question the kids have, have had uh, great you know, experiences in your classes that I'm sure they're going to take with them for many years ahead. Yeah, I'm waiting for some kid to come back and say, Mr. B, I work for NASA now. Wonderful. Thank you. You never know. You never know. We, we, have, we send a lot of great kids out of Northley into Sun Valley and, and um, have wonderful careers ahead of them. That, that would be great to have someone come back and say that their career interest was peaked in your class as well. Jeff, um, how do you keep kids engaged in STEM and coding in particular if they don't have a personal interest in that field? Uh, so I try to keep, especially at the beginning of each grade level, uh, flashy stuff and sometimes like literal flashy stuff, like mm -hmm. uh, the devices that have the LEDs that light up, like something that's engaging to them that they can you know, physically see, you know, moving, you know, driving the robot around more than just you know, making a little icon on their screen move left or right and have it be, you know, traditional, you know, computer programming just on the screen, the actual physical devices that are in their hands that can play music uh, based on what program they write, they can flash LEDs in a variety of patterns uh, based on the programs that they write, or, uh, you know, drive a robot through a maze or in different shapes and patterns, you know, just something to get them active, something to make it as hands-on as possible, uh, you know, to make it more engaging and, you know, interesting to them, you know, literally flashy like lights and sounds like song and dance so some education experts believe that every student should take at least one coding course as part of their k-12 experience do you agree with that i mean is it something for everyone uh, i do agree with that how far they go with it probably depends on the student you know and their areas of interest as they move on to high school uh, but I kind of look at it like, I don't know how many centuries ago this might apply, but not everyone needed to read hundreds and hundreds of years ago. You could leave to the reading to the people who needed to do it, and you could go about your, you know, whatever labor-intensive job you likely had in the year 1400 and something. Uh, reading wasn't necessarily relevant to you, and I feel like we're on that shift now, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of renaissance of computer programming where it, we might need more than just leave it to the experts. The experts will write the computer programs for us. And the rest of us don't really need it for our day-to-day -day jobs. Uh, but we don't know when we would need it. And having an understanding of how that structure works, how the programs work, uh, I think would benefit pretty much everybody, you know, even if it's only to a small degree, uh, to understand you know, the structure of computer programs and how much we actually do interact with them. Well, great point. Thank you for that. Matt, you were previously an elementary school teacher at uh, Parkside. Uh, I have to ask you, what turned you on to the STEM subject area? And then also, let me ask you uh, to kind of tell us the specific topics in your classes that you find to be the most interesting to the students when you roll out the coursework. Yeah, so 
making the transfer from the elementary level up to middle school was not an easy decision. I really enjoyed fourth grade. You get to build that rapport with the students every single day, all day long. However, I was part of our, uh, you know, pilot program for taking on the DCIU STEM challenge that they had at the elementary level. It was something that I was really passionate about and just seeing how students can work through problems and utilize critical thinking. They embrace failure, all of these different aspects that I think are huge for students moving through, you know, one, their K-12 to education, but also in life after high school. I think that STEM is something that they are able to gain a lot out of. And it was just something that seemed like it was a you know great spot to be able to fit. I could stay in district. I could loop through with some of the same kids that I had and you know just get a little bit of a different challenge and a different flavor of what coming to school every day was going to be like. So even though it was a tough decision, I'm very happy to be here and switch over to a STEM, uh, STEM position. And then when it comes to the major things that the students find most interesting so far, I think far and away is our seventh grade curriculum, which is medical detectives. Uh, we go through anatomy, the human body. We eventually get to the nervous system and the captain of the nervous system is the brain and the kids get to dissect a sheep brain. That is the one thing that every student walks out of and it's like, oh, guess what? If you have Mr. Swan's class, you get to cut open a brain. And, you know, it's exciting. It's something that they don't necessarily get to experience. Now, we do dissections in seventh grade. Uh, you know, they go through owl pellets and some other things. But having a real brain in front of them is something that most of them probably never imagined that they would have. And also, you know, they're understanding the anatomy with it. They're taking that exact information that we want them to learn and putting it into a more practical sense by being able to label it on a real brain, which most kids and most students across, I would say, Delaware County, but even the entire state of Pennsylvania don't have that opportunity. So it's just that hands-on authentic experience that I think really the students walk away appreciating. No doubt. Thanks. Thanks for that summary. Um, Andrew, in Pentelco, our priority is preparing students for life or ready for life vision, if you will. How does your class and in fact, any of the STEM related uh, expressive arts that we're talking about, how do they get kids ready for life in your mind? What's the important life skills that you hope they will learn in your class? Hey, great question. You know, even like just said, even if they don't follow a STEM career, I hope that they're learning like I said earlier, to, to use tools, fix things in your house even. Have the courage to just fix things in your own house. You, oh, I know how to use this tool. Okay, yeah, because they do use some serious tools in my class. Uh, and then also communication skills, how to communicate properly with other humans, you know, and other humans. Uh, I think those skills definitely in my classroom, yeah, it's, it's more than just education that they're receiving in my classroom. They're learning skills that they can take into a real career. Mm -hmm. Nothing is just fluff and easy stuff in my room. It is absolutely skills they can take into a career. And if they don't take it into that career, they can still use it in their own personal life. That's what I believe. Absolutely. Well, well, that's what we like to hear. And you mentioned one of the five C's, Jeff. Um, I mean, let's say coding is the sixth C, but our other five C's that we focus on here, uh, character, collaboration, critical thinking, communication, creativity. How do you develop that in the STEM classes that you teach? I, I think they all fit right in. I mean, they, they need to, to collaborate. They need to work together, uh, especially for you know, checking for errors in programming, which can be one of the more frustrating things for students to do. Uh, the tiniest little typo can crash a whole program. Uh, and sometimes, you know, even staring at it for five minutes, they can't see that little comma or, you know, parentheses that they missed somewhere. So working together, 
to get through that, communicating with each other uh, to get through that, to help find, you know, everyone's little mistakes and to persevere. Uh, you know, the creativity is a huge part of it. They can, once they get, you know, the basis of most of the computer programs, you know, created, they can kind of go in any direction they want, you know, with how they want to control a device or, you know, change a game on their screen or, you know, they really, the, the sky's the limit at that point with creativity, uh, you know, as they work with other students to try to, you know, problem solve all of these things. Great, thanks. Matt, do you have advice for any other teachers who want to better fuel and tap into their students' existing interest in STEM? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if anybody's interested in trying to, especially if it's a you know regular education classroom, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to help brainstorm some ways <clears throat> to be able to correlate, you know, whether it's just the PDE standards that they're looking for in a lesson with some of the next generation science standards that we're looking at, or the new steels that are coming out for 2025 for PA. I'd be glad to help them plan a lesson that could kind of collaborate with some of those different skills. But, you know, if I gave one piece of advice, it would be just to try it and don't be afraid to fail. Part of STEM is learning how to adjust and redo something that you might not have done as well as you did the first time. So don't be afraid to try something new, you know, go and add in a new software component to a lesson, have kids model something in a 3D program that, you know, they want to describe the setting or the scene of a story that they're reading. You know, there's, the sky's the limit with what you can do in terms of tying STEM education into your regular education curriculum. And again, the interest is there and the students are very, very passionate when they get hands-on activities that are these authentic learning experiences. So just give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, then try something new and, you know, see what you can glean from that in terms of making it better for the next time. So as we wrap up here, I want to ask each of you, is there one thing that you hope your students learn from having taken your courses, what might that be? Let me start with Andrew. If there was just one thing you hope kids will take from your courses, what might that be? That confidence in yourself to do something. Have okay. confidence in yourself that you can actually solve problems and achieve goals. You can, yeah, that's it. Have the confidence in yourself. Yeah, I love that. That's a yeah. great one. Jeff, what about you? I think a, a better understanding of what's involved in controlling virtually all of the electronic devices we use uh, and hopefully spark an interest in you know, continuing to explore computer programming as they move on to the high school. That's a great one. And Matt, what's the one thing you hope kids might take from your classes? I mean, the one thing that I tell them, whether it's sixth, seventh or eighth grade is, again, just don't be afraid to try something. It might be out of your comfort zone. It might be something that you never had envisioned yourself taking part in before, whether that's, you know, making an electric circuit out of a lemon battery, dissecting a brain or, you know, designing something to be 3D printed. Just try it and, you know, get out of your comfort zone because you never know what STEM course or, you know, overall topic is really going to catch your interest until you try so just yesterday, I learned that Northley will be redesignated again as a Don Icorn school to watch, uh, which is a terrific accomplishment. Uh, my understanding is less than 25 middle schools in the entire Commonwealth have been redesignated as often as Northley has. But aside from that, tell me what makes you personally Pendelco proud of either Northley or our district, where I typically end every podcast with asking our guests, what makes you Pendelco proud of Pendelco or Norfleet? Um, let's start with Matt. 
I mean, I think at the heart of it, you know, I'll speak strictly from Northley, even though I do have experience at Parkside as well. I mean, it's the students and staff that really make every day a great day while we're here, whether it's, you know, the staff, you're in the hallway joking with each other, you see something, and you just laugh about it because as teachers, we all understand each other's trials and tribulations, or just seeing the students, you know, be kids and actually have fun while they're learning and enjoying being in school, because could they dread it and be mopey every single day? Sure. And some are, but for the most part, they're all really, really great and glad to be here. And it's just, it's a fun environment to teach in. Yeah. And Jeff, what makes you Pendelco proud? Most of it is the feeling of, of teamwork that we're all working together, uh, both staff and students, uh, to accomplish the same goals. Like we're all, we know where we are, we know where we want to be, and that you know everybody from top to bottom, uh, I feel like is on board with trying to you know move us to uh, you know where our goals are. I would agree, Andrew. I think I'm proud that I'm, I guess I'm, I guess I'm doing my job good enough that the kids love to be in my room. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, they always say, oh, I love your class. It's so great. It's like, awesome. I guess I'm doing the right thing. So I'm proud that they, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, it's a neighborhood that's only three miles away from where I grew up. So it's, it's, yeah, I'm proud that the kids are, are happy to be in my room and want to learn. That's great. Wonderful ones. So there you have it, folks, a glimpse into the terrific opportunities that our 6th, 7th, and 8th grade Northley Vikings have at their now school to watch middle school, where they can learn and explore STEM-related coursework in their, several of their expressive arts class offerings. Um, these are topics that I can only imagine are going to continue to grow in scope, as well as relevance and importance. So to you, uh, Mr. Biorti, Mr. Deckman, and Mr. Swan, I think you guys make a tremendous team. You're a real asset for our district and for the students at Northley. I, I'm so touched by your commitment to our district and your dedication. Really, really appreciate that. And I know every time I stop by, I see kids actively engaged in your classes. So we want to thank you for being a part of that Pendelco team. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for your interest in our district, as well as this Pendelco podcast. Be well, everyone. Have a great day.